and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live on Tuesday afternoon. On, now this is the first time, Hunty, I've said this in quite some time, a beautiful, yes. sunny, cloudless Sydney sky. It's a beautiful day. How good is it not to have rain at long, long last? And? And I want to, well, even before we go to the end, I want to also welcome yep. for the first time our Western Sydney listeners. That's it, welcome listeners. So glad to have you guys on board. And? And? And I, I, I hope you continue to join us week after week. I think you'll find this program interesting. It's We have a lot of fun. We do. And more than that, we're going to try and give you a glimpse of how beautiful Jesus is. But we have a special guest today. Hey. How you doing, guys? <laughs> we actually, I'm still here. Yes. We, we actually have the boss. The boss. One of the, the big, bosses. The big boss of Faith, of Faith FM. FM here yep. in the studio, don't we? This yeah. is an audit. I'm seeing if you guys <laughs> are we going to survive. We better, we better behave. <laughs> yes, uh, well, listeners, this could be our last time. I'm on. changing your music as we speak. I <laughs> uh, don't need to worry about the music. I chose the music today, Hunty. The only time we have trouble with music is when Hunty has anything to do with That's it. That's funny because I hear that you picked the music. But no, Hunty. Not the only time I've ever been in trouble, Hunty picked it. That's and, true. Uh, and you know what? I fired him. Uh, I've, I fi- I've been demoted. I can no longer choose the music. Listen, with the chair that he's got there, he's not going anywhere. No, he's not. Um, look, before we go any further, because I know we might have some listeners first time today, and yes. they might not have picked up, because this station here, Faith FM, here in Sydney, is just open. Yes, we just started airing uh, literally like 45 minutes ago. You know why that's so exciting to me? Tell me. Because we're Sydney boys. That's uh, it. This is the first time. I think we've been on air, what, Hunty, a year? Oh, every a year, yep. This is the first time we've spoken to the at, Sydney audience. Well, on radio, man, yeah. because before that, it's always just been online. Yeah. Internet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but this is the first. It's so exciting. Now, what do you do, bro? I'm the content manager for Faith FM. So Faith FM's headquarters are in Melbourne. Um, I work down there with those guys. Um, Melbourne's not the greatest <laughs> place on the earth. But <laughs> I was going to say, what, why, <laughs> like did, why did you make Faith FM uh, uh, headquarters in Melbourne? Wouldn't it have been better to bring it up to Bure? Look at the weather we've put I'm trying to get moved to Brisbane. Man. Oh, Brisbane. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. But look, no, look, Faith FM is great because it's a national network. We've got, we got studios in pretty much most capital cities. Yep. And, yeah, this, this was the first place we had a studio with you guys creating content where we actually couldn't reach like natively through the airwaves, that yeah, audience. Yeah, that's right. So this is this is historic, and I'm so glad that you guys are actually the first program, other than our special broadcast we just did, yeah. that is speaking to our Sydney audience in addition to the national audience. Can we expect other Sydney programs in time to come up? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're already talking with some of the, the, the admin guys in Greater Sydney, and they are eager to get some more live shows out of this this part of the show. And this is live. Yeah. We're, we're sitting in the studio right yep. now. This you is guys are trailblazers. In fact, it's I can prove it's 336. live. 3.36. And more than that, I yep. can tell you that interest rates just yep, went up just went 0.25%. There you go. I hope you haven't overcommitted in your uh, mortgages. It worries me, mate. Yeah. Because we're on, we were on 0.1. So it's gone up to, I think, 0.35. Forgive me, listeners, if I got that wrong, but I've got it right. That's pretty all, much all I know is I got my first, well, first mortgage when I came back to Australia. I've been away for a number of years. Yeah. Came back, I got a mortgage in two thousand and ten, and my interest rate has only ever gone down. Wow. I've never seen it going up until today. Oh man, I started th- this. This is just to give you an idea. This is how the the age difference between us two. <laughs> Hunty's the same. It's the same. We started when interest rates were twenty one percent. Yeah, eighteen yeah. percent for me. <laughs> I don't know how we survived it. I don't know either. I, I don't think. 
How's the credit card interest rate? You know? Because you're what? You're, you're in your thirties, is that I'm right? Forty-four. Are you really? Yeah. Well, well, I tell. I eat well. <laughs> I'm looking at Lucky you. Lucky it's radio. I'm looking at you, Hunty, and you look about seventy, <laughs> and you're only fifty, and he he looks about thirty-five, and he's forty-four. Perhaps we'll get you back on to share some health <laughs> health tips, especially for Hunty. Marry young. <laughs> Marry My young. wife's younger than I am. There you go. Okay, I, I, I tend to think they're getting back to the interest rates. Your generation, perhaps even the ones behind you, you seem to be taken out, and perhaps it's because you got to far bigger mortgages than we yes, ever did, Hunty. That's right. I bought my first house when I was twenty-one. And oh, you've been in a little while then. Yeah, um, my first house was one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars, brand new, built, yeah. brand new. Yeah. Um, now you can't even get the land for that. Mm. That was a house land land package yeah. in Brisbane. I know. I mean, they're selling blocks of land in Riverston. This is northwest Sydney. Riverston, Riverston would be. I mean, I love being a Rivo boy. It's a desert. No, it's a good place, mate. <laughs> All those people in Riverston don't take no notice of him. Where do you, I also live in Riverston and I love it. Well, you don't anymore. You, he's moved out to... True, Wilberforce. Wilberforce. And with the hoity-toity Guys, Wilberforce. I'm just going to ask, like, Riverston, does that mean there's a river? It no. Flood. It's, no, no I was gonna say, floods it, but no river. I was going to say, does it mean flooding? Because I'm not super interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, Riverston, Riverston is, is pretty much a, um, what I'd call a pretty ordinary, normal working class suburb in Sydney. You're paying seven fifty, eight hundred thousand for a block of land. This is what shocked me. I rent. I don't own a house in Sydney. Um up the road from me, remember that little three bedroom house they yep. just built? That's yeah, nice. One point one million dollars and I think it was on about a two hundred and seventy five. You'd be lucky square. to park a council bus on that block of land. Yeah, you would. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And and so if you're out there today and interest rates have gone up on you, mm-hmm. we're sorry. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I give a plug for the Ask the Aussie Pastor? This is Hunty trying to move us on. <laughs> I like it. He's a good producer. He's keeping his job today. <laughs> I've got to behave with you here. Usually when he gives us the kick to move on, I kick Lloyd back slams and on the He slams on the handbrake. <laughs> hey, are we doing Ask the Aussie Pastor tonight? We absolutely are. And if you'd like to send in your questions, there's plenty of time. And there's two ways you can send them to us. You can text them to us on 0488 or you can email them to us. And the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. So send us your questions. Can they get there? Is, have we got room for questions? I know got, we've, we've got, got room. some in already. Yeah, no, we've got some in already, but there's plenty so of space. So if they send some in now live. They will make it. Okay. Well, yep. we welcome you to, again to our program today. To our new listeners, big welcome. Stick with us. You're going to enjoy this. And before we start, I want to pray. Because this is a, sh- this is a program, this is a show where we unashamedly want to give you a glimpse of how beautiful Jesus is. And I know in Australia that's not always the th- in thing to do, but it's the in thing to do on Faith FM. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you right from the start as we do this, I'm pretty much an average Aussie guy. I'm from Brisbane, man. Where you want to go? You're not from Brisbane, are you, Rob? Trader. I was born in Sydney, but I grew up in Brisbane. Ah. You've just gone up in my estate. <laughs> I didn't know that. What, what, what's your local church in Brisbane? Oh, I wasn't a Christian. Ah, you do have a story. I have a story. Yeah, and it's a good story yeah. too. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, I, I, I come from Brisbane. Which part? Uh, you know Springwood? Yes. Springwood Church? Yes. One of the biggest Adventist churches yes. in, in Brisbane. That's where I, I, I doubt they even know I exist now, but <laughs> <laughs> that's where I grew I up. grew up in Shaler, Shaler Park. Oh, uh, yeah, not far away, not really. Far away from Springwood, and then Sunnybank, um, Rochdale, all that area. This is Well, I grew up in McGregor. Oh, okay. Us two are not far away. Not far away at all. Broncos boy? Yes. Yes, very yeah. much so. Even though I was born here, State of Origins, Queensland. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? I was actually, I was born in New South Wales. Barrel. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, where, where did you say? Barrel. You're no, a New I South Wales. I wasn't born in Barrel. Really? No. Close. Nara. Nara. Okay. You forgot that. That's still close. Nara, beautiful Nara, but like you, I moved up there pretty early, and you know that that Queensland thing infects you, and that maroon blood starts running through you, and the blood starts to rush. Always a Queenslander. <laughs> hey, but we're talking to Western Sydney today. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they, they love Queenslanders down here, mate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want you to open with prayer. Would Let's you? Would it. you be happy to do? Absolutely. That? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful for another day of life. We're here on air talking. Things that we love to talk about, we're talking to people all over this great country, and we especially are grateful to be able to talk to the people of Sydney this afternoon. Bless our time together. Thank you for uh, the questions that are coming in. Thank you for the topics we're going to talk about, and just uh, yeah, let your son be lifted up and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Robbie. You ever heard of Fountain View Academy? I sure have. I have a 15-year-old son. He is a... I don't want to brag. (laughs) Hunter, you'll back me up here, though. He is a brilliant violinist. He's very talented. Send him to Fountain View College. This school in Canada, in British Columbia, is very, very special. Mm -hmm. And they put out beautiful music. And this song, the first one today, Tell Tell the Mountain, it's a fairly new song. I think it's been out three months. Cool. And it is so beautiful that I want to use it after the Bible. This is the first time I've ever used one song. Have you ever used one song twice? And yes. One, oh, you have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Impact. Uh, Repetition yeah, is yeah. impression. I, I, want, <laughs> I, I want you to listen to the words of this song. Beautiful tune. You are going to enjoy this. Tell the Mountain from Fountain View Academy. Sorrow, looking up from the valley of fear, you can see doubt off in the distance, and you're about to lose heart right here. But don't ever give in, don't ever give up. God is with you, and you'll overcome. Right. 
Long Hunty. Love that. Do I need to say that again? No. Beautiful song. I think I got that. You did get it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's the first strike on the the audit today. No, no, that's strike two. Oh, it's strike two. It's strike two. On this show. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's getting it, isn't he? Hey, um, news. Yes. I just want to look at a couple of news stories today, Hunty. This is scary, this. Well, I, I try to put some good news stories in too, but yeah, this first one bothers me. Mm. Russia's chief propagandist, and I got this from the Daily Mail, I probably think not the greatest newspaper in the world, mm. but listen to this, just listen to this. Russia's chief propagandist threatens to plunge Britain into the depths of the sea with underwater Poseidon nuke that would trigger a 16,000-foot radioactive tidal wave and wipe the UK off the map. 1,600 foot, but either way, that's very high. Uh, what what is a radioactive tidal wave? I don't that's even just, know. I, I think it must be just radioactive waves. Certainly a 400 metre tidal wave would be scary in itself. Well, it's, I, I don't think... I, I think it's just a radioactive tidal wave. What? what I, I tell think, you what... Oh, yeah. Okay. I think it's water, though, right? Like, that's water that happens to be... Uh, Tidal. If you use the word tidal, it'd have to be water. Well, well too, the way he it? says yeah. it would plunge Britain into the depths of the sea. Yeah. With underwater Poseidon nuke. Yeah. That would trigger a sixteen hundred foot radioactive tidal wave. So it's a tidal wave, but it's radioactive. Yes. Yep. I'm glad we live in Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what worries me about that? I'll, there's a lot of things that worry me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> well. You've got Russia threatening Britain with that, but it's it's not like Britain is exactly defenceless. True. If if that really did happen, and you would have then Britain with their submarines, which are nuclear armed, responding, and you'd have a holocaust in both Russia and and Britain. They're pointing towards Britain, but they they know it's the west of them, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, look, it's a great title. It gets got my attention. Yeah. Um. This is some pretty serious stuff. This is like, you know, in my lifetime, this is pretty heavy stuff. And I know people are asking me all the time on the, on the programs that I do, they're like, what is happening with the world? We, we just went through this COVID thing. We're still getting out of it, but yeah, we yeah. went through this COVID yeah, thing. Yeah. We've had bushfires, we've had floods, and now we're on the verge of nuclear war. Now, you're a pastor, correct? Correct. So, I, I want to throw a question at you, which is an extension to this one. Usually it's Hunty throwing them at me, so I'm glad to have another pastor on board I can throw at me. <laughs> is it biblically, is it prophetically possible that before Jesus comes, because as Adventists, one of the things the Adventist church will preach and teach, and I love this about uh, Scripture, is, is the soon coming of Jesus. Jesus promised he'd come back. Yes. But before he comes back, in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, he gives a list of things that... Bad things. Yeah, they're going to happen before mm. the end of the world. Is it possible for the world to perhaps suffer a nuclear catastrophe between nations is that biblically prophetically possible look i don't the bible to me doesn't give a one verse statement that says there will be nuclear war world war three or whatever right but it definitely paints a picture that there i mean think of this in the last two thousand years what were people saying when world war one was breaking out is this is this it is this the only thing like how's it going to go and then world war two comes a few years later and then we've seen a whole range of wars since then i don't think it's off the table that we're going to see catastrophic stuff. And whether it goes nuclear, I sure hope it doesn't, but they've done it before. Well, that's the whole point. It has been done before. Yeah. So you're so, And what bothers me is when you get leaders of nations that have, not just the Russians either, 
that have nuclear weapons threatening each other with them. That is pretty much a new thing. Yeah, I saw a Donald Trump interview. He's out of the out of the scene now, but yeah, he was interviewed yeah. just this week. Well, he's out of the scene now, but who <laughs> yeah, knows? Yeah. He was in an interview with Piers Morgan, and um, he gets on there and he goes, "If I was the president right now, I would not have let Putin use the N word." Yeah. He said, I would have told them, you use that N-word again and I will show you my ends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. like, we know what we're talking mm. about here, right? Yeah. Mm. And so, like, I mean, Trump is a whole different story, but this this is something that we haven't seen in decades and decades since the Cold War, where active nations that pow- have, are powers with these weapons are actually now sort of, you know, o- showcasing ostering. them. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're threatening. We've got, I mean, mm. you've got the UK here in this article, you're bringing up now we've got russia we've got the u.s talking about it and we've got france germany's silent um india's sort of on russia's side you can see a forming happening now whether that blows into full-scale world war three nuclear weapons i sure hope not is it possible absolutely certainly would you'd have to think bring about the end of the world and the second coming of jesus although i guess you know our grandfathers were saying that with the first and the second world war too and i think that's key right like for me as a Christian, I didn't grow up a Christian, so I became a Christian. And one of the things I've noticed, I've been a Christian for 20 years, yeah. but what I've noticed in 20 years, every time a crisis comes, there's always the alarmist. This is it, this is it, this is it. And if you get through it, like whether it was, like I remember when um, Obama became the president, it was like, this is it, <laughs> the antichrist has come, right? I was like, really, you think so? Same thing happened then with Trump, didn't it? The same thing happened with Trump, yeah, exactly. Right. And now yeah. Biden, no one knows where he is and what he's doing. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, I think the important thing with Christianity and being a follower of Jesus is, Jesus is, in Matthew 24, his main point was not, look, things are going to get bad, there's going to be earthquakes, going to be wars, famines, all that stuff. But he makes one point, and this is his qualifying point, and you know this well, Lloyd. He says, when the gospel has yeah. gone to all the world for a witness, they're not all going to believe, but they're all going to hear it, then the end will come. That's the story about Jesus. That's the story and about Jesus. And that's why, actually, if I can put a plug in for Faith FM, why it's so important in Australia, because what we're doing is we're telling the story of Jesus. Absolutely. Um, sometimes I'm comforted when I read these prophecies where you, you do get a sense too at the end of time there is some normalcy. There's still business. Yes. There's still marrying, giving in marriage. marriage. There's yeah. still partying. Yeah. So the world is not going to be entirely annihilated by nuclear weapons. Yeah. But certainly they could be in the mix at the end of time. Uh, we just don't know. Yeah, look, I mean, there's language in prophecy. It's very symbolic, but there's language of of destruction on large proportions. There's Revelation. financial financial collapses are coming. These sorts of things are coming. We haven't seen them yet. Yeah, they're coming still. That's right. But that's still not the end. Yeah, the end is when the message Story is gone. Of yeah. Jesus exactly. goes to the world. Hey, Hunty, this one's for you. Yes, you who travel, travel, travel. Actually, you you travel travel a fair bit too, right? I've travelled a lot. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Robbie lives in the plane. <laughs> Well, so does Hunty, <laughs> if he gets a chance. 19-hour flight to London. Oh, I look forward to that. that that's a nightmare. Sure, but it, for me, it beats six hours in Singapore or Hong Kong or somewhere. Oh, uh, I disagree. Bahrain. I disagree. I go, I go with a layover any day. Yeah, you can any have a shower, day. you can have a rest, yeah. you can stretch. Climb I, onto the plane once, get to your destination I, and climb off. I've travelled with you. Depends who you're with. True. I've been on planes where you're stuck next to... Uh, <laughs> the, the crazy, the crazy. <laughs> Have some sympathy for me, bro. I've got to sit next to Hunty, and this is radio. Shall I describe what I can see? I take about a chair and a half. <laughs> no, not really. But I mean, how do you think you're going to sit for 19 hours in a plane when you've got so much? Oh, I'm telling, I'm talking serious. You took some serious damage coming back from Jordan a year or so. Well, back. that's because I had to sit sideways because the chair was only 10 inches but wide. But these chairs are going to be no better. 
Look, oh, if it's dear. 19 hours in one of those slipper bed things, sure, let's do it. Have you ever been in one? No. no I, not I can't right. afford that. No. <laughs> no. We usually travel for the church, and I can tell you now, they don't even sit. They don't We're in the back business. of the plane. We don't even get, what's that economy plus thing? No, we, we don't, don't get that. that. No. Nor do you. No, we We're down business. the back in the skinny little economy seat. I have been in business once in my life, and that was because I was upgraded because I was the only person in economy. Was it good? It was fantastic. Wow. It was amazing. And I said, I can never go back, but I had to. <laughs> yeah. When you said you never go back, you never go back to economy. economy. You never go back to business. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, business was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It was free, but it was amazing. They, they, like, they, whatever I wanted, they gave it to me. I did a flight from Los Angeles to New York. Whatever I wanted on that plane, like, not even on the menu. There's no menu. You just ask. Yeah, they yeah. bring it to you, and then you go back to cattle class. Yes. Oh, I've never been business ever. I suppose Hunty's been in business a few times. But yes, and first class once, and yeah. I didn't pay for it either. Ah. Yes. Um, it's amazing though, isn't it? Again, kind of another little sign of the times. Bubble talks about how at the end of time technology will increase. increase yeah. And it's exploding. You would never believe there'd be a day when we could catch the plane. I don't even know how they're doing it. Have they got bigger fuel tanks, more fuel efficient? What's the engines there? are more fuel efficient and the plane is longer and sleeker. And bigger fuel tanks? No, just efficiencies in the plane engines. I know these planes that's flying from Sydney to London are only 236 seats. That's, that's not right. a big plane. That's right. Yeah. That's small. Yeah, not big at all. Mm. Wow. This one, Hunty. Yep. Bill Gates' chilling prediction. Did you it read is, about it that? It is chilling. Mm. You know, you talked about COVID on the way out, Robbie. Is it? I'm sure there are people who have an interest that it stays around longer. You do wonder that sometimes. You know what? I read this article Bill Gates says, uh, and, and I'm not a Bill Gates knocker either, by the way. I'm, mm. I'm not into knocking any of these guys publicly. I, I think Bill Gates has probably done some good things. But I did read this where he said COVID will keep morphing and we could yet have some very dangerous, uh, what they call them, aren't you? Strains. Yeah, they stra- you know, variants. They, yeah, they vary. variants. Yeah, they, they evolve into more dangerous, uh, Variants, and he's saying, "Oh, look, this might not be the end of it." Then I found out that he's just about to launch a book on. COVID. <laughs> well, I think the point is, though, for the first time in our lifetime, we have seen a um, pestilence. Yeah, and it might not be the last. It might not mm. be COVID, but it might not be the last. Yeah, look, I, I've, I've, when COVID hit. Obviously, I, I do a lot of public speaking and things on prophecy and things like that, and people always ask the question. Hey, is this it? Is this the thing? Is COVID the thing? But the funny thing is, like, I lived in Asia for a number of years in the early 2000s. And in the space that I was in Asia, we had SARS, mm-hmm. we had bird flu, yep. we had swine and flu. And yep. these are all these are all pandemics. These, these are all pan. Well, they're all yeah. pandemics, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, epidemics. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, it was a, I could almost coming to Australia, I was. It was like, yeah, okay, the mask, the social distancing, the, the sanitizer. That was all the stuff we were doing in the early 2000s in Asia when, I mean, they were culling birds left, right and centre. It was fear, fear as it was with COVID. To be honest, living in Australia with COVID has been like mild, mild compared to what it was in Asia. Wow. Is that but why when you go to longer. Asia, they're used to wearing the masks? Oh, look, but the funny thing is, right, when I lived in Asia, when you wear a mask, you replace your mask every hour. Because the uh, masks are ineffective after an hour. So that mask you had in for a- six months in COVID, <laughs> Hunty. That- <laughs> I know people in, in Australia who are still using the same mask oh on dear. day one. Oh because dear. it's just like, why would I pay for a new one? But yeah, like that was the thing. Everyone, and the other thing in Asia is you'd wear a mask as soon as you had symptoms. 
Yes. You wouldn't you wouldn't like wear it as a healthy person. Mm. You'd wear it as a sick person to stop the spread. So there's some differences. But anyway, my point is is that if you look at the last 20 years, there's been a number of things on not on scale unit like global that COVID has shown us. But it's just a trajectory yeah, of it is of these pandemic and plagues and pestilence and so on. I was in Japan a few years ago on a holiday with my wife. And uh, we're in the train. I noticed everyone had a mask on. Yes. And there was no pandemic. Just everyone in the train had a mask on. So here's this bogan Aussie. (laughs) I'm in the train without a mask on with a full-blown case of the flu. Oh, no. (laughs) What a leper. I tell you what, I was not popular. And I said to my wife, I said, because I didn't know. Yeah. And we'd actually caught a boat over there. We got one of those. You know, sometimes when they're taking the boat back to the northern hemisphere, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Repatriation. So we, we caught the boat over there. And, of course, I caught the flu on the boat. And on this train, everyone had masks except Lloyd, who had the flu. Oh, so I went out to Chemist, or what they have over the equivalent. Actually, it's one of those little four-square shops, and bought a mask. So you uh, had COVID before it was popular. <laughs> I had something. <laughs> I tell you. And this last story, good news, Hunty. Yes. An icy cold blast has hit Sydney, and praise God, winter has come. I love the Lord's winters that he brings to this country. So does my wife. She loves the cold weather. Yeah. Isn't that good news? It is. I'm so <laughs> glad I live in Queensland. <laughs> you do live in Queensland, don't you? Yes. And yet you work in Melbourne? Yes. That's kind of... I'm doing it for my family. Yeah. Well, where do you live in Queensland, Brizzy? Uh, we are near Bundaberg. Really? Yeah. We're about an hour south of Bundaberg. Where, where? little place called Childers. I know Childers. I did my... Oh, I'm a, I was a builder once. Oh. I did my apprenticeship in Bundaberg, and i got family in Bundaberg to this day. Wow. Beautiful place. Okay, this has been interesting today, talking to Robbie and Hunty yes. about things that are happening in the world, the news. And you know what? When you see these things, yes. look up and look east, because you know what every single one of them tells you? That's right. Jesus is, is coming, coming, coming soon. 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 You're listening to the Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. I think, Hunty, sometimes we can get a bit worried when we look at all the things happening in the world. Yep. And that's why after this little segment, which was a kind of a bit dark, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. started very dark. Yeah, it did. I chose this song, Never Alone by Greater Vision, and it's true. And that, I think that's what it's about. When you've got Jesus, you're never alone. Everybody sing that. That's as good. No. <laughs> what a great promise. Doesn't get any better than that. Sing it. <laughs> 
I've seen the lightning flashing and heard the thunder roll. I've felt since breakers crashing, trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of my Savior telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me. Beautiful, beautiful song. I like that one, Hunty. Nice. Yeah. Want to welcome Harold Harker to our program today. You there, Harold? He's coming. He's coming. He's just unmuting. Here we go. I'm here. Yeah, and now for those who are new listeners to our, our show, Harold Harker is a friend of both Hunty's and I. More than that, he's actually on the Aussie Path to the team. That's it. He's our, what would you call it, Hunty? Oh, he's our, one of our mentors, uh, one of our holy fathers. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say holy father. We don't Strike use that two. term. That's right. Strike two. You're headed for real trouble, son. He's, he's, he's our, when we go overseas, he's our guide. Guide. He's our, uh, he helps a lot with the. On our board. He does a lot of research for the programs we put out. Yep. And he is a historian. He is a pastor. He's an administrator and he's going to share with us a story today. I'm glad to have you on board, Harold. Great to be with you, Lloyd. Now, I think this will be the last time we have you for a week or two. You're headed off on a holiday. Uh, we're off to <coughs> off to Grey Nomads next week. And Grey Nomads is a camp for Grey Nomads, people from Hunty's age onwards, who uh, <laughs> who have caravans and he has a caravan. Hey, Hunty, you going to Grey Nomads? I think I should, mate. I think I should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grey Nomads is a camp meeting with good preaching and singing and, and great time, really. And Hunty and I aren't that far from joining you, Harold. Um, You're we're, welcome. Yeah. We're, do they have people our age there? Hey, I was invited to it. <laughs> to speak. I was invited to go to Grey Nomads. To speak, not yeah. to... I, I'm, not, not to, I'm not able to go this not year. To, not, not to camp. participate. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Harold, we're going to talk about William Wilberforce 
first time I really came across this guy, believe it or not, was in a, a great movie about the emancipation of the slaves in England, um, and he was central to it, correct? He was, and it's not just the slaves in England, all the British colonies. That's right. He, he actually had a, a really big Im- impact. Before we get to that part of the story, tell us where he was born and who to. Well, he was born in the city of Hull, which is on the eastern coast of England. In 1759, his father, Robert, was a very wealthy merchant Merchant there. And so he was born into money, if you like to think of it that His way. grandfather was wealthy too, is that correct? Oh, yes. He had uh, things in two different areas. He got into sugar refining, but he was also a great trader with all the Baltic countries, and he made his meat that way. So he's born into a really wealthy family. What sort of child was he? Well, he didn't have a good start. He was small, he was sickly, and he was very delicate, and he had poor eyesight. But he had the heart of a lion, as we're about to find out. Tell us about his education. Well, he started out at the whole grammar school, and the principal was a lifelong friend. But when he was nine, his father died, and his mother couldn't cope, and so he was sent to live in London with a prosperous uncle and aunt. How did that go? Well, it went well for Wilbur, but they were very much in the Protestant group. In fact, this aunt was a very close friend and supporter of George Whitfield, and so he became interested in evangelical Christianity. So Wilberforce is still a young young boy, nine years of age. He's gone to London. He comes, he goes to his auntie, who is is very much on the uh, at that time on the outside in in Protestantism. In other words, not really part of the Anglican Church, but more of the Reformed Protestants that were coming out of Europe. And he comes into contact with George Whitfield, who was a firebrand preacher. Does he get interested in Christianity, even though he's nine? He sure did. Uh, he would have been called a non-conformist. Yep. That's how I regarded these people. But uh, because he went there and he was getting that way, his mother and his grandfather, who were very staunch Church of England followers, they were alarmed at what this young fellow was picking up, and they said, bring him back. And they brought him back to Hull when he was just 12 years old. Now, back then, Church of England would be uh, quite different to the Anglicans we know in Australia. It was high church, is, is that correct? High church, yes. Which is very similar to uh, traditional Catholicism. Right. And so he was getting a real dose as a young man of really what we'd call middle-of-the-road Protestantism, and it's having an impact on his young heart. Well, when he got back there at 12, yep. his mother refused to send him back to the grammar school Uh, because the headmaster was a Methodist. And so he went to a pocklifting school for five years. So he's 12 and that takes him through to 17. Did he stay with Jesus after the initial contact with him as a young fellow? What happened to him? Well, as a young fellow, as he grew up until when he was about 17, finally his uh, Methodism gradually goes down and diminishes a bit and he starts going to the theatre going to balls, playing cards, and getting up to all sorts of things. His grandfather dies when he's 17. That wasn't real good for him either. No, it wasn't. He comes into money, is that right? Yes, well, now his grandfather's dead and his father's dead. He inherits. 
inherits this. So why does he have to study? But he went to St. John's College at Cambridge University. Was he a good student? Well, no. He (laughs) had all the money he wanted, and he got into this hedonistic lifestyle, playing cards, gambling, drinking sessions, and he was a popular wit. So he's a real uh, gregarious guy. People liked him, but his Methodism and his Christianity went downhill very dramatically. At the same time, he starts to get interested in politics. Well, he became very friendly with a future Prime Minister called William Pitt. Can can I just stop you there for a moment, Harold? Isn't it amazing how, even though at this time in his life, William Wilberforce is not really following Jesus, Jesus is still leading and guiding and directing his life because he comes becomes friends with Pitt, who becomes the Prime Minister, and together they become a formidable force in getting rid of slavery out of the British Empire. That's right. Yeah. And uh, he would often sit with Pitt in the gallery at the House of Commons and look at all the debates going on, and he thought, well, even though he'd got a couple of degrees at Cambridge, a bachelor's and a master's, he thought maybe I should go into politics. So he and goes He goes into politics? Yes, he does. In 1780, he becomes the independent minister for Yorkshire. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, know, I know Yorkshire and Hull, you're talking about in the north of England here. Yes. Yeah, you know how I know that? Because they've got rugby league teams and they only play rugby league in the north of England. <laughs> uh, okay, look, um, so he goes into politics and then he has a conversion. Now, this is a real deep conversion to Christ. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, he went on a tour through Europe in 1784 and he returned with friends and he read a book. It was called the rise and progress of religion in the soul. What happens when Jesus comes into your life? It was by Philip Doddridge, a leading English nonconformist. And so William Wilberforce begins to read the Bible every day and he kept a prayer journal. He was a real devout Christian now. So does it change his lifestyle? You said he was leading a fairly hedonistic lifestyle. And I reckon this is what I like about Christ. You know that, Robbie? I mm. know you're stilly. Yeah. This is what I like about Christ. When he gets into your heart, he changes you. Absolutely. You can't stay the same. And Wilberforce changes, and changes dramatically. Is that right, Harold? Well, when he became this Christian, it brought major changes right through his lifestyle, and he wanted to get him to reform and to tell others about this. Yeah, so, so really what he is, he's becoming a Protestant. Um, well, let me tell you, yep. he also met and consulted John Newton. I was about to ask that question. In grace. What famous person, John Newton, who was also, he was a slave trader, right? That's right. Meets Jesus Christ, turns against the slave trade, becomes one of the most powerful preachers in England, and also, what is it, Newton, Wilberforce and Pitt together, those three had a significant impact in getting rid of slavery. Well, without those three, it wouldn't have happened. Was he very public about his relationship with Christ? I know when some people come to Jesus, I'm not like this, and I don't think we can afford to be, but he's a bit, was he reserved or was he out there, he would tell people? He was outspoken, he would say he was a Christian everywhere he went, in private and in public, and uh, he was known. Here he is, a Christian now. All his gambling ways, they're all gone. And now he's a real disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, he was a Sabbath keeper. That surprised me. Well, 
He was deeply conservative and he focused on issues from the Bible such as the observance of the Sabbath and he wanted to help the community of England get rid of immorality and he thought if you can educate them and bring them to Jesus, that'll be God. It is true. That's still the answer today, brother. You want to change, you want to change your life, you want to leave your life of hedonism behind, and it's not easy, somewhat, because that comes to us naturally as human beings, the hedonistic lifestyle. You want to leave it? There's only one way I know to do it, Robbie. That's it. Jesus Take Christ. Jesus. Yeah. I could never get rid of it out of my life until I met Jesus. This guy has a complete change. Now he moves on in life. He begins with Wilberforce, the most important, perhaps, ministry he had, the getting rid of slavery. Tell us a little bit about that. Just before that, let me tell you other things he got into. He wanted to have part of the suppression of vice, and then he wanted to say, let's have a place for slaves where they're made free, and he wanted a creation of a free colony in Sierra Leone. He also was one Ah. of the founders... So he was he was one of the guys behind the free colony in Sierra Leone where yes. they sent the slaves back to. Yeah. Wow. And he also one of the founders of the Church Missionary Society. So he was really pushing that Jesus is the answer. And as well as that, he got into the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Yeah. This guy was everything that Jesus would have done, he wanted to do too. By the way, it's interesting, isn't it, when you meet people who have been born again, which means they've had a really deep conversion to Jesus Christ and become believers, they're not cruel to animals, are they? That's right. That that, that disappears out of your life, doesn't it? I've seen it too. Yeah, okay. Um, So tell us about the slavery and what, what his part was in it. He now gets really into the uh, abolition of slavery and he continues this right through to 1826 and then because he wasn't a healthy guy, he had to resign from Parliament. He left it for failing health. But he saw the uh, the act that was passed through there with Pitt and with Newton and, and others pushing it the Slavery Abolition Act of 1833. Wilberforce was a big mover behind that. So the act goes... Now, now I want want our listeners to understand this. It was Christians that banned and got rid of and abolished slavery in in Britain and in the British Empire. You go to the United States of America, and this is another story. But it's also Christians in the United States of America that led the abolition of slavery in the United States of America. And uh, slavery, a terrible evil, but it was Christians who were, were driving that. So but they get rid of it in Britain. And then what happens to, um, what happens to our hero of the story here? Well, he dies, but he died three days after the hearing that the act was passed through Parliament. So here it was like the final thing of his life they've been pushing for and then he dies in July 1833. So he really did make a difference, didn't he? <clears throat> he was a real born-again Christian and Jesus changed his life. And then he in changed fact, he changed the lives of millions of others then. He did. And Christians will always show this love that Jesus gives to us, will show it to others and he did it in these different ways. Where did they bury him? He's buried in Westminster Abbey with all the the heroes of England. 
In fact, he's buried right close to his friend, William Pitt, who was the Prime Minister. So when Jesus comes, kind of emotional, isn't it? When Jesus comes and there's a resurrection, they'll rise up together. Heroes of the faith. Perhaps we should look at that English Prime Minister sometime, Harold. Uh, We can have plenty of time, plenty of people who made a big thing, a change in this world for good. So final question, what can we learn from this man's life, Wilberforce's life? If you're a Christian, you can help so many others because non-Christians rarely do anything like that. Be a Christian and let it be known that you're following Jesus. When you're a believer and God comes into your life, he'll make big changes in you, that's right, and those big changes will then impact others. Wonderful story, Harold. Thank you again for your time today. Thanks, Harold. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hunty, before the next song, I'd like to put in another plug for Ask the Aussie Pastor. So, if you've still got time, if you've got questions, you know the Aussie Pastor has the answers, and you can send your questions to us. You can text them to us on 0488 880851. Or you can email them to us, and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. Now, it's time for some music. Why, why, why are we getting you to um, announce this song? Because there's one of my favourite Christian singing groups of all time, and, and they're entitled The Heritage Singers. And, and? And this song... Don't be humble. Don't be humble. <laughs> Hunty's work with them. I've had the privilege, yeah, to tour with them and, and make some videos with them. And are I, they still around, Hunty? Yes, going strong. 50 years and going strong. Okay. Well, mm. I think we said in the program not long ago, they just had their 50-year celebration. They did. Were you there? I wish. You were invited. Yeah, I think uh, either COVID or airfares or cattle class, oh, I don't know. I think know. it was COVID, man. <laughs> There's a reason I didn't go. It was COVID. I said. Yeah, yeah. What's the song? Um, this next song is entitled God Will Take Care of You. i 
that listeners anyway it's time for my favorite segment ask the aussie pastor why is this your favorite segment i like to see you under the magnifying glass <laughs> akin to an ant under a magnifying glass really we've got robbie here today i can just flick <laughs> we do have robbie you got some reinforcements all right let's get into it actually one more plug for the number Send us your questions. There's still time. If not for today, next time, 0488 or the email is info at aussiepastor.com. First it's question. really important that you, if you've got a question, send it. Just flick us anything. Yep. Anything you yeah. want to know about the Aussie pastor, we'll have a crack at. And we're a bit like Lyle in that first program before this where That's we opened true. stuff. We'll take any question. We, I don't think we've balked on one single no, question. not balked on one yet. No, you send it, no matter how hard it is. You might not like the answer. So we'll have a go. <laughs> we'll do the best for the Bible. Yeah. Bible answers. All right. So I get to ask this to Robbie and to Lloyd. I made a decision to follow Jesus, and not long after that, I sunk into depression. Is that a lack of faith? Good question, Robbie. It's an excellent question. And, you know, I, I've had variants in this question so many times as a pastor, as I'm sure you have, Lloyd. Really? The answer is no. It's not a lack of faith. What is it then? So, this is interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing a series of presentations um, down in Canberra, and I actually did a talk almost on that exact thing about when you make a decision to follow Jesus, It <laughs> for many people, it goes south Really quickly. It does. And the funny thing, and I, I based my, my, my talk around a text from the book of James, where James says, count it all joy when you face various trials and tribulations. And um, the next part explains why, because this builds faith. It's a, a trial of your faith, that's your faith. And so I made this sort of throwaway comment in the presentation. I said, so what the Bible is saying here is you need to endure the manure and everyone started roaring out laughing. I I didn't notice what I had said, right? (laughs) And so, anyway, it became like the little thing, and it hashtagged it. So, for the rest of the the week that I was there, it was hashtag, endure the manure, endure the manure. manure. And the gift they gave me when I left was a hoodie with the printed on the front, hashtag, endure the manure. Oh, nice. So, the the question here is a serious question. It's saying, I've made a decision to follow Jesus, but not long after I've sunk into depression, am I lacking in faith? Absolutely not. We've got an enemy in this in this spiritual battle, and he's doing everything he can to keep you from resolving to stay on Jesus' side. And he's going to throw anything he can at you, whether it's depression, whether it's addiction, 
whatever it is, he's going to throw it at you. But the promise that God gives us is that there's nothing that we're going to face that he hasn't got within our limit. So practically, for our listeners, yes, I've made it. So let me be the person. Yeah, I've 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 made a I've made a decision to follow Jesus, and then I've fallen into depression. What do I do? Do I get medical help? Do I get counselling? Should I take? Uh, should, should I allow the, the doctor to give me uh, antidepressants? What What do I do as a believer? Look, I'm I'm not a doctor, medical doctor. I wouldn't um, try to take the place of a medical doctor, but I would say this. In addition, talk to your to your health physicians because there is definitely um, medical aspects to depression, and it should be it should be looked at into. Don't avoid it. Um, everyone's going to say pray, pray more, pray stronger. Fine, but get yourself some good spiritual mature Christians around you. Mm. That's what I have found has worked for me. It's worked for others. Is being around other people and share. That's the one thing I love about being a part of a community of faith is that we share one another's burdens. We help pick up people and carry them. And when we're strong, they might be weak. But when they're um, when we're weak, they might be strong. So it's this community sense. So that's I'd why say church, that's why church matters. Absolutely. So get into get yourself with a good community of faith, um, local churches, small groups, those sorts of things. Because sometimes in, in the journey, maturity in that journey can give a perspective that you can't see when you're early on in the journey. And so when you, if this person's here saying that they've made a recent decision, that the, the maturity is not there yet. They can't see the attack for what it is. And so I would say get, get some, uh, you know, get some good godly people in your life. Um, go visit New Hope if you're in Sydney. Actually, um, I, I'm a big believer in, in church because I think, we, it, it does uplift you. It does help. I'm a big believer in going to get medical help because sometimes your depression can be a medical problem. It can be a something gone amiss with the chemical yeah, imbalances sure. of your mind. Uh, it's not a. It's certainly not a sin to be in depression. I've I've been to depression myself. Yeah. I, I had a divorce. Hunty was around. I went into terrible depression. Took yep. a while to come out. Yeah. But you know what? In that depression, the one thing I did do, I hung on to God. I found it difficult to pray. Found it difficult to get into my Bible. I mean, these are all disciplines that are really important when you're walking with Jesus. I found it hard, but I hung on. There were days I said to the Lord, "I'm just hanging on by my fingernails, but I'm hanging on. I won't deny you." Yes. And he will bring you out, and when he brings you out, and he will bring you out. I'll you, say absolutely. That again. And, and it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, sure. but he'll bring you out. You just, and that's the endurance. That's the endure the manure part. That's it. Endure it. And when you get out, you look back and go, if I had have known it would only be that long, I would have, it would have enjoyed it with joy, you know, like as the scriptures say. But yeah, look, there's a whole lifestyle approach to depression as well. When, and the Seventh day Adventist Church has got some amazing programs, a depression recovery program, a chip program that are designed to give you a holistic approach to these things. So it's not just, oh, you know, go away and pray harder, be a better person and pray and ask Jesus to give you more faith. No, it's not just that. There's, there's, there's diet to it. There's sleep. There's exercise. Um, there's community. There's a whole range of things. So yeah. yeah. It's a good question. Isn't I think, it? I think there's another element to this too. I, I, I've heard people say, and, and this question does say, I made a decision to follow Jesus and not long after I sunk into depression. I've heard people say that the devil does target you once you make a decision to follow Jesus. Without a question. Extra specially. Mm. Anyway, let's move that, that on. That in itself is proof yeah. of the existence he of God. He doesn't want you to, to change camps. There, make no mistake if you listen to this program now, there is a contest yep. for your soul. Yep. Our secular culture and society is not going to acknowledge that easy, but it's a fact. But you know, the dumb thing is, right, and I say this from someone who was an atheist who became a Christian, 
you say you said so secular society goes oh, i don't accept that reality that there's there's a spiritual warfare and yet the number one selling movies of all time are based around that exact same storyline yeah. wow look at all the marvel universe stuff yep. um you name it even back as star wars mm-hmm. star trek all, the, all these movies are based on a narrative that there is some sort of supernatural battle between forces of good and evil and the bible is the original it's the real deal and yet we in a, in Australian secular society we go oh you're a bunch of fairy tale stuff but the reality is we experience it on a daily level it's just that we have a framework to understand it from a biblical perspective and it's interesting isn't it that depression mental illness the government spends just about more money on yeah. that than any other health issue my wife is a care worker and some of the care that she does are for people who are struggling with depression mm. And there's no doubt, I mean, I'll say this openly, and I can say it because I experienced it, God will help you in your battle with depression. That's a fact. Mm. And you will come out. Mm. And when you come out, it sounds such a cliche, but it's so true, you're going to be stronger for it. Indeed. Good question, Shall we move on? Yep. And this is a prosperity gospel question. This is a ripper. Does following God guarantee financial success? Robbie. Robbie. (laughs) I'm going to go with the fence, yes and no. Um, and the reason I say that is I've seen it in action where by, by – and it's not following God guarantees financial success in the sense that I do this so therefore I'm rewarded, which is I think a, a problem with the sort of the popular narrative in some Christian circles. I don't subscribe to that. But the Bible does teach that if you seek God first mm. and his kingdom – then everything else will be taken care of. That doesn't mean it's going to be taken care of the way you think it should be. And I guess that's why I'm saying yes and no. I know in my my life, like 20 years as a Christian uh, last year, so my 21st year is this year as a Christian, um, I was financially very well to do before I became a Christian. When I became a Christian... Went on to the pastor's wage. <laughs> well, even before that, I, I was a Christian for about four years before I entered into ministry. Yeah. I, I gave everything in my life to God, like everything. Like I, I, I lost my house, I lost my car, I lost my job, I lost everything. And I, and I say that because I gave it to God first and then it lost everything. But by losing everything, it actually freed me up to a whole new life that I couldn't even imagine. And what I'll say is this, I have lived the last 21 years as a follower of Jesus, and I have seen things happen that do not make mathematical sense wow. from a financial point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've, I've been a missionary overseas where I've had $600 a month income, mm-hmm. and I did that for four years, and yet I left there with savings. I left there by paying my wife's, my wife's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I couldn't even financially do if I actually yeah, yeah. worked down with a calculator and worked it out. Wow. But it happens. Yeah. So, look, I, I think the takeaway for me is don't get hung up on it. If you follow God, you're going to be somehow financially rewarded. I think that's a dangerous premise to start with. But if you put if you put all your cards in on on God, He won't let you down. There are kind of things too. When you become a Christian, you get honesty, hard work. Yes, you do get vision, which these things do lend to some financial success. Sure. Mm. But also, you can get persecution, you can get oppression, you can be driven from your home. Uh, you, you know, there, there are places in the world where if you follow Christ, you're going to be broken, your life's going to be in danger. Yes. I like what Habakkuk says. You know what he says? Yep. Though there be no, basically, cows in the field, sheep in the pen, no crop in the barn, 
still I will rejoice and follow my Lord Jesus. Mm. That's my translation. That's Lloyd's version. I like that. I think the only guarantee God gives you in this earth in the end, yes, there is often often success follows Christianity because of the attributes it gives you, characteristics, the changes Jesus brings to your life. But really the big deal is that whether things are good or whether they're bad, Jesus says very clearly, I will never leave you or forsake you. Forsake you. When my kids used to ask me that question, but in a more simplistic fashion, I used to say to them, you're not praying to Santa Claus. Mm, true. Mm. All right, moving on. Should we take sides in the Ukraine-Russian war? Uh, I'm going to leave that to you, Robert. <laughs> I will say something, but I'd rather... Because we've got you as a guest, I'm liking... Yes. I'm, I'm not loading no, up. No, I'm just no, enjoying no. hearing from you today. No, look, I'm totally enjoying this. It's yeah. a good change. Yeah. Look, I'm... <laughs> It's a loaded question. It is. By no, by no stretch of imagination. This is not the first time we've had this question. No, we've had various... Comes through. Op- comes very, through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm, I, my personal thing, there's no biblical verse that's going to say take sides of Ukraine or take sides of Russia, right? There's no text. So this is based on principle. For me, I'm, I'm sort of apolitical. So I don't take sides in anything. I, I mean, I, yeah, anyway, forget of, of the size of that. I'm going to say no. We, we probably shouldn't be taking sides in the Ukraine-Russian war. Now, let me qualify that with a few principles. First of all, any aggression on a human being that attacks their liberty and their freedom is wrong, right? So if it was Russia when it's the United States, I say it's wrong as well. Yeah, yeah. If it's our own country, it's wrong still. Yeah. So any country that does that, I'm, I'm all for So you're saying when countries wrong. invade other countries, that's, is that what you're saying there? Yeah, look, that's, absolutely. Okay, got when it. it. When it, when it's a taken an individual liberty that was a free liberty that they had, I think yeah. that's wrong, right? Yeah, okay. So we should stand against it is what I'm trying to gotcha. say. Gotcha, yep. But should we take sides in the Ukraine war? So I, th- I assume that question saying, should we be siding with the Ukrainians against the Russians? This is where I think it's dangerous because I'm an Australian citizen, as you guys are, and there are plenty of things that my country has done on behalf of the Australian population that I've disagreed with. Mm. So I, it doesn't represent my, my opinion. Mm. And I, that's the same thing in, in Russia. Mm. I, I, I work with some Russians that I know very well. They don't agree with anything that's happening with the, that sounded really dodgy, didn't it? I work with Russians. <laughs> uh, we have a, we have, we have a Russian lady that works at Faith. Well, Earth. actually, we've got some fairly fantastic, fabulous Russian pastors here in yeah, Australia. Yeah, absolutely. One of the most powerful preachers we have in this country is a Russian. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they don't, they don't agree with the aggression that's taking place, right? So if I was to side against Russians, that means by default I'm against all Russian people. Mm. And I'm not. Mm. And I don't think we should be. At the same time, I don't know what's happening in Ukraine. I'm not there. I don't, I've heard dodgy reports that there's some stuff happening on the Ukraine side against, um, Russians. So I don't know. As a Christian, I would like to see the suffering end. I'd like to see the peace be restored. Whether that's going to happen in my lifetime, I don't know. Same thing, you know, we wanted the war in Afghanistan to end in six months. It went on for 21 years almost, you know. So I don't think we should take sides, but we should stand against aggression. We should stand against um, suppression, these sorts of things. But at the same time, there are Russian people that I'm sure if they could, they'd stop the war too. I think the interesting thing is, uh, I mean, I'm a bit of a YouTuber. Me too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I love YouTube. It's a bit of a weakness for me, isn't it, Hunter? <laughs> I've got to be careful. In fact, are you, but are you a hole con- you can fall down. Are you a contributor or a consumer? I'm a consumer. Both. Uh, we contribute. Both. <laughs> I do contribute. We've got an Aussie Pastor YouTube channel. 
Oh, okay, guys, if you're listening, yes. subscribe. Yeah, definitely. Subscribe. Definitely. And subscribe at Faith FM while you're at it. Yeah. We've got a YouTube Faith FM channel. Yes, we do. And we have a Facebook Faith FM channel, too. Yes, we do. Yeah. Subscribe. As yeah. do we have a Facebook Aussie pastor page. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Um, so I'm on YouTube and I'm watching, you know, the Ukrainians who've done very well in this war, by the way. It's um, been amazing. I it has, but... Remember, they are armed to the teeth with some of the best weaponry that the West has. Um, and you watch them blowing up Russian tanks. Mm. I don't know whether you've seen yeah, this on I've YouTube. Yeah, helicopters. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually quite uh, – it, it really grabs your attention. But the thing that's really struck home to me is every time you see one of those tanks get blown up, three young Humans. Russian boys Humans. just died. Mm. And they say there are twenty five to thirty thousand Russian boys, and who knows who knows how many Ukrainian men and women have died. Yeah. There are a lot of people dying over there, and it is just on both sides. You've got tragedy, you've got heartache. I, I'm gonna extend this. I know we're running out of time, Hunty, but I can't help it. We're okay. Should we speak up against leaders like Putin? Or should we as Christians or are we Building another kingdom, and we. St- the reason I say that is when I read the Bible, you see Paul lived under one of the most butcherous dictators in the history of mankind, Nero. Mm. In fact, it was probably Nero. Was it Nero who put Paul to- executed him? Mm, we believe so. But you never see Paul once say a single thing about the inhumanity and the devastation that the Romans and Nero are causing his people and the surrounds. Is is Paul's example the example we should be taking? Or Look, should we speak up against these leaders that we see? Uh, because we read World War II stories. Yeah. And you read some of the pastors there who stood up against Hitler. They made a noise. And, you, and some of them paid the price too. Well, they died. Yeah. But it stirs your soul. And, and you just wonder, how do you decide what to do? As a follower of Christ, on that, I, I struggle with that question. Oh, look, I and, and you're not the only person. Um, we are living in a society where, like, with mandates, this is this is this came up just recently with the mandates. Like, how far does a Christian go along with government mandates when it goes against your own freedoms. personal freedoms and your own conscience? So we we're look. I think the church in the West has been so sheltered from. Direct persecution, and I'll use that loosely because our persecution in Australia yeah, yeah. is insignificant compared yeah, yeah, to other yeah. parts of the world. But we've been so sheltered from that sort of thing. We've had this illusion of democracy and freedom and all this thing, these things. And we're only starting to start to see that now in our lifetime. Mm. And people are struggling, especially young people in Christian circles are struggling with, well, what do we do? Do we social justice? I mean, we've had all these social justice sort of causes like Black Lives Matter and Me Too and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that translate into the church against some of the state powers and decisions? Does it come down to having a born-again relationship? I'm just wondering with mm-hmm. Jesus. And in these issues which are a bit grey and you're not sure, do you think the Holy Spirit comes into that where he, he gets into your life, he tells you when to stand and where... When not to, or is, is that... Yeah, absolutely. Look, at the end of the day, it's going to be a personal choice. Uh, not a personal choice, but a personal response. Like, when you think of Dave, uh, Daniel and his three friends in the Babylonian story, there was a whole lot of other young men their age, same experiences, same horrors mm-hmm. of captivity, and they didn't stand up against it in any of those stories, whether yeah, it was yeah, Daniel yeah, 2, yeah, yeah. Daniel 3, the Daniel 4, Daniel 6... But here's some guys who went against the 
the majority, at, at prepared to pay the ultimate price. And we see God stepping in each instance. So if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, yes, if you have the Holy Spirit who is the third person of the Godhead living in your heart, he will talk to you. Is that right? I've experienced it. I experience it daily. So will he tell you when to stand and when not to? How direct will be his guidance? <laughs> we, can, we can go into a whole study on this. There's three ways in my experience that you know God's leading through the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah. person of the Holy Spirit. For me, there's there's the the spirit, the actual word of the of the scriptures, the Bible which is, yep. is inspired inspiration. Yep. Um, obviously, not everything's spelt out black and white, right? Yeah, no. So that's a principle driven leading. Yep. Then there is the promptings yep. or, or the divine opportunities that we we are led. Doors are closed. Doors are open. Yep. So we see God leading yep. through the Holy yep. Spirit, and the third one is through the mature advice from friends who are in the faith. Okay. Yep. And so I think, and that goes back to the community of faith thing we talked about. Christianity is never done in a, in a silo. It's no. never done by itself. We're always in a community. Yeah. And it's in that group of wisdom, uh, in that council, council of wisdom, uh, multitudes that we get that wisdom. Yeah. And I think that's why the Bible makes even points. There's no prophecy of private interpretation. Yeah. We should come together and study together and reason. And, and I think if we're going to, yeah, this is where it gets difficult because you see in Christianity these little fragmentations forming. The people who want to oppose this or oppose this political thing or that agenda yeah, or this yeah, agenda. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what can we do except say, God, I want to be led by you, lead me, and try not to um, allow personal prejudices and biases and things step into it. One thing I learned from Paul the Apostle who lived under Nero was in the end, his primary purpose was to build the kingdom of God, yeah. not to get involved in the politics or the and wars. That's, of- that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, look, at the end of the day, all that stuff, Ask God, help us navigate it now and here. But the end, end game for us as followers of Jesus is Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is all about we are looking for a kingdom that has not been built by human hands. And as that might seem as a cop-out to some, and I, I, I used to accuse Christians of that being a cop-out when I wasn't a Christian. Yep. But the longer I'm a follower of Jesus, the more I understand that logic. Because there's nothing we can do, no matter how good our policies, how good our protests, how good our boycotting, nothing's going to bring the ultimate outcome. The ultimate outcome is only going to happen when this whole thing's wrapped up and made new. And when Jesus comes, he will stop the Russian-Ukrainian war. <laughs> I hope he does it before then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But either way. Yeah. That's, he that's he will stop every war. He yes. will stop all the... Have we, got a, have we run out of time, Hunty? We're getting close to running out of time. Do you want to do one more? Yes, okay. Let me, one let, more. Me, let me handpick one. Okay. Actually, let's go two more because next one's a really quick okay. one. Okay. When we started this segment about a year ago, we said if anyone could stump you, we would send them a prize. Yeah. A leather bound. Did we ever Bible. send one? We've never sent one. No one's ever oh. won that. But I think this next question is going to stump you. Yep. I'll even let you phone a friend. Are you ready? <laughs> I don't need to phone a friend. We've got Robbie here. All right. Who made God? <laughs> no one. That's not Is he right? I, I absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. Hang on a minute. Who made God? No not, one. Did anyone make God? No one. He's not made by anybody. No, let the Bible stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> I love this passage in the book of Isaiah. God says through like he's speaking through Isaiah here as the prophet he says, I am God and there is none else. There's no one else. And then he says, um, I am God and there's none like me. So he, this, this was, that was actually one of the most profound verses I ever read as an atheist becoming a Christian, is that this book claims, the author, God, claims to be the 
only one of his type. There is no one else. So if he is God and there is no one else and there's none like him, then no one could have made him. There you go. All right. I like Exodus 3. I think it's Exodus 3. Is it about verse 14 where where Moses is talking to God and he says, who are you? And you know what God says? Oh, yeah. It's the ultimate, <laughs> ultimate, ultimate answer. He said, I am. I am. <laughs> yep. That just means I am. Yep. There is none other above me. There's none beside me. There's none below me. I am. And he has no beginning. You know Self-existent. Why, yep. You know why we struggle with that? Because everything in this world has a beginning and an end. Mm. Look at this room, our studio. Mm. Everything in here, including us, has a beginning and will have an end. Yep. yep. And that's why as humans we struggle, because that concept of a God who was not made by anyone, who has always been, we struggle with it because that's not our world, that's not the paradigm we live in. Mm. But I think when we get to heaven we'll start to understand it better. I can imagine eternity. I actually can, but I struggle to imagine... Eternity past. Eternity past, yeah. yeah. Because mm. we can imagine going forever. I mean, when you're young you think you're going to love, live forever. Yep. Yeah. I think you're right. We, we, we're out of time, so let's end the segment. Oh. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. And if you could, in one word, I'm going to ask you this, Robbie. Okay. How would you define God? God is? I know what the Bible says. It's going to say love, right? Omnipotent. Omniscient. Uh, anyway, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to go into that. It's a can of worms. God yes, is, is love. 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 Yeah. That's the answer I was after. Yeah. And this song, Love Lifted Me. Sorry, I missed, missed you. <laughs> that was going to be epic. Okay, try it again, try it again. One more time. Okay. Uh, how would you define God? God is love. And that's what this song is. Yep. God lifted me. And if God will do something when he comes into your life, he's going to help you to love. Nailed it. Love this song. <laughs>
No, Hunty, Kenny Rogers singing Jesus is one of my favourite singers. And Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah, I like Dolly Parton too. Mm. Dolly Parton actually has a pretty good walk with the Lord. And a great heart. As, as far as you can see from afar, because not that you can judge, but she she um has been with the one husband her whole life. Did you know that? I did not. How unusual is that in country music in the no, United I, States? Of, I don't know whether you know country music. Yeah, but I, Dolly Parton just did a recent, I mean, recent, like a couple of months ago, song with Zach Williams. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And Who's nailed- Zach Williams? He's a Christian artist. That's out of the bad, States. isn't it, that I don't know that. <laughs> he's not Kenny Rogers, put it that way. <laughs> but he's still somewhat country. Look, Kenny Rogers was a Christian. I think he had his struggles, like mm. a lot of us do in life. Mm. Um, but he he tried to maintain a relationship with the Lord under, I suppose, when they're, when they're in that industry, it'd be pretty hard. Hey, how long have you been an Adventist, mate? I just want to talk about that for a second. I want to talk about... Because we have a lot of listeners out there at the moment who'd know very little. I don't know whether you noticed Terry, our leader here in Australia, said there's only, what, 50,000 of us going to church or 30,000? 30, 30,000, I mm. think it was. 30-something thousand. It's not a big church. Before the pandemic, no. it was typically 40,000 on a Saturday morning. Was it? Mm. We lost 4,000 from the pandemic. 8,000. Actually, we had a good Sabbath last week at church. We did. Church is packed. Our numbers starting to go yeah, back. People are coming back. Hey, yeah, it's getting back to back in the tech, getting back to normal now for sure. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about church. If if how long have you been an Adventist first? So, two thousand and one, I was an atheist, and I started a journey of faith um, ex- exploration after September eleven, two thousand one. Um, I became a Christian. I, like, I decided to be a follower of Jesus. Um, two thousand end of two thousand. One, two thousand two, around there. Twenty years. And then I became a Seventh day Adventist in two thousand and three. Wow. Okay. So twenty years you've been with the Lord. Yeah. Um if you're just an ordinary Sydneyite and you walked into an Adventist church, I think we've got what, ninety or a hundred of them here in Sydney? Somewhere around that. I think it's ninety. It's a fair few. Right. But we're not a big church. I think what did Alban say? Six thousand 7,000, mm-hmm. you walk into an Adventist church on a Saturday morning because we don't worship on Sunday. No. We keep the biblical Sabbath. Yep. Started in Genesis and went Jesus through, yeah, right through to the apostles and, and the early Christian church. Well, right through to our day, there's been Sabbath keepers. So we're a Sabbath keeping church. We're not the only ones. But if you were to go to a Sabbath keeping Adventist church, and I'd invite you to come. What are you going so to would f- I. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a fantastic experience. Anywhere in Australia. This is the thing. Like, yes, the num like if we don't have a, like hundreds and thousands of Seventh Day Adventists around Australia. However, we have a lot of church buildings. Mm, we do because mm. for some reason, like I, I looked at all different Christian flavors. Mm. I actually have a podcast on Faith M called the Faith Experiment, and I have an episode called Five Thousand Churches. When I was exploring Christianity, I found five thousand Christian denominations. Oh. I'm like, what the? <laughs> why so many? Right? And so I I share in that story how I found Seventh Day Adventists. But what I'll say is this: most other Christian denominations they tend to flock to one location. Yep. So I can say in Sydney, you might have one or two big like mega church type yeah, places. songs and yeah, and yeah. people people from all over the whole. City will come to those yeah. couple locations. Yep. Seventh Day Adventists are very, very different. We have a very um, smaller community of faith in local regions. So, pretty much any suburb in Australia, you'll find a Seventh Day Adventist worshiping well, community. What would your average size of an Adventist church be? Oh. You know, look, because I'm, I'm asking you this because you actually travel around. Most Sabbaths, you'd be preaching in a different Adventist church, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so how how big are most of the churches you go? Look, into? if if you're in rural sort of outside of the capitals, you're probably looking at around about the 
fifty to eighty mark. Okay. If you're in the urban places, it can go up to like four, five hundred, six hundred. Um, but uh, like COVID has changed things. The last two years has been very, very different, and it's only starting to get back to normal now. I'm starting to notice, right? But yeah, look at the typical day at a Seventh Adventist church. You'll normally start around about the nine thirty, ten o'clock mark. Normally, churches vary. Mm-hmm. It's good to Google it. You'll yep. find um, the details on whatever church you're looking in, whatever area you're in. But generally, around about that. 9.30, 10 o'clock, there's what they call the Bible study hour or the Sabbath school lesson. Actually, I like this part of church. This is probably my favourite. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say the same thing. You know why? Because it's like what we're doing here. With, it's, it's, it's actually a Bible study discussion. Yep, you sit down in a small It's not group. a lecture, it's, nope. not teach, it's not even teaching really, it's a discussion yeah. amongst the... And the great thing is, is that as a church worldwide, we have this, uh, we call it a Sabbath school lesson. And so we have a theme. We study a theme by quarter. Yep. So the, it, with, if you're a Seventh-day Adventist or you're a Seventh-day Adventist church, anywhere in the world on that same day, you'll we'll be studying the same lesson. So it's really nice. Like if I'm studying it here, I'm in Sydney today, and this Saturday I'm in, say, Townsville, I know that that church up in Townsville is going to be doing the same topic we're doing down here. So everyone gets to contribute. So you're going to have Bible study. Yeah, Bible study. Music in that first service? Yeah, look, it varies from church to church. Some churches will do a couple of songs um, in that time, and then they'll break up into small groups, have the study time. Sometimes they'll talk about, they'll tell a story before the Bible study of yep. a, an inspiring story of something that's happening somewhere in the world yes. of someone finding Christ. They can be quite inspiring. Absolutely. Um, being a, I've, I've done mission work all over the, I've, I've been to 44 countries, I think it's been, and um, when you do these sorts of country, uh, countries and mission work and stuff, that church is very good at communicating what's happening around the world. And yeah. so you'll get to see some videos from, you know, Mongolia yeah, or yeah, somewhere yeah, what's yeah, happening. Yeah. It's really inspiring. You're a part of a global community. Have you ever noticed when you get into the Bible study group, how big are those Bible study groups usually? Oh, uh, look, I think they try, we generally try to keep them around about the 12-ish. Yeah. So they're not number. real, real big. No, no, no. They're quite intimate. Yeah. But, 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 um, Almost every Bible study group we run, we run three in our church. Plus, you know, there are Bible study groups for the teens and yeah, the youth different age and groups the, for kids. the primaries yep. and the kindies and even the cradle roll. So there's something for everybody. Yep. It's, it's kind of modeled on the old method of Sunday school, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, it still did, works all these years it later. It does. Amazing. Have you ever noticed as you get into the Bible study that's gone before you realize it's gone? I don't think I've ever sat in a class where we've actually finished what was supposed to be studied, <laughs> ever, in 20-something years. That's true. It's always like, oh, we've run out of time. <laughs> These Bible studies you're talking about, you, you can actually get ready for them during the week. Yes. And they go Sunday to Friday, and you usually get to Monday. Yeah. And then <laughs> If you're really good, you'll get to Wednesday. <laughs> yep. And if, if, yeah. But it's it's good because everyone gets a chance to, to input. And because we've all looked at the same lesson, people got different perspectives. And even someone like us, like we've, this is our job, right? We've yeah, studied yeah. theology and stuff. Yeah. I learned so much from just people who are like, you know, programmers and grocery checkout chicks and stuff sitting there having their perspective. Are visitors welcome to this Bible study? Absolutely. What if they don't know much about God? That is even better. You just show up and, you know, I've had, I've had these, I, I, I did some work in Tasmania for a few years as a church pastor and I've had guys walk in who were high on ice, right? They walk in, they're like, dude, it's cold out. Can we come in? <laughs> wow. One was American. I'm like, absolutely, come on in. So they came in and sat down and um, they're like, we don't really believe this stuff, but, you know, it's cold and we want someone to sit. So they were literally coming in just to get out of the cold. But you know what? They they thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. They weren't really religious or anything, but they enjoyed just 
you know, it was stimulating conversation and they got to stay. We normally we have a lunch. Some churches have lunches. So I was going to say, lunch. I've yeah. had people walk in after church for lunch. Yep. <laughs> we have, <laughs> have regulars. We don't mind. <laughs> yep. If you're coming for lunch, come for lunch. Absolutely. Okay, you do your Bible study. It's got about an hour, is it? Yeah, about an hour. Then what? Then there's only a short little break, and everyone sort of mingles a little bit, yep. and then it's about 10 minutes or so break, and then we normally get back together. Most churches, some churches inverse this, so they'll do the second part first and the first part second, but typically speaking, there's about an hour of this Bible study time, sharing time. Yep. Then there's what we would you typically think of when you go to a church, which is sort of like a person giving some presentation. Worship service. Worship service. Music. There's Churches do it different ways, but normally there's music in part of it. Um, there's what sort prayer. of music are you going to generally get in Adventism, or is that a... Oh, look, it's going to depend where you go, right? Like, it's if I choose it. It's <laughs> strike four. Just, <laughs> just for our listeners, Hunty uh, had one go at choosing the music on our <laughs> program, and he got banned. I am banned. <laughs> I think you made the first song, didn't you? Wasn't it the first song that you got Mike, the The first song I ever chose, I got banned for it. <laughs> it was on the list, too, by the way. No, it was on no, the rejected it list. Wasn't on the, no, it wasn't on the list. It wasn't on the list. Anyway, let's get back now, to it. Now, look, in all honesty, music's one of those things that is to appeals to taste. And what we've found, like any other Christian denomination, is that there's there's churches that take on different flavors of worship expression. Some of them are what they would call traditional, some are more conservative, some are more contemporary, some are more youth-orientated. It's It just depends. And there's no real formula to picking it. It's sort of just whichever church. I mean, so this, again, because, again, we're smaller communities. Yeah. Whatever that community feels is appropriate for their expression, that's what they go with. So, so it's you, will, you will find Adventist worship pretty much the same, or there are some differences across the. Oh, look, in terms of the worships, like overall arching components, it's pretty much the same. But there'll be different types of songs in some churches that other songs won't sing. Um, some will use, like we have a standard hymn book, for example, for the whole worldwide church. But more and more, people don't even bring those I churches. don't think I've seen that hymn book for mm. but they were, they were, decades. Well, since 2015 when we came to New Hope. <laughs> well, that's we, we actually use the songs out of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but there's, it's all gone to screen well, and digital now. Well, we've kind of gone off hymn books, haven't we, yeah. because we don't use them. Do you still go to churches that use hymn books? Is it still out there, or is most have, people up on the screen? I have been at one church recently where all the technology failed, and so... They went scrambling for hymn books. Nice. And by the time they found it, the songs were finished. <laughs> and this, this, here's the part. The song leaders didn't know the songs. <laughs> so, um, no, look, I, I don't go to many churches anymore that have hymn books. The, yeah, the most. It's normally up on a screen. Preaching. Preach. How, how long? And what do they preach about? Preaching varies. I've been in churches, and it depends if I'm preaching or not, but I've been in churches <laughs> where it can range from 25 minutes to an hour. It just depends. We have a rule in our church at New Hope. What is it, Hunty? Yeah, 30 minutes now. Do you know why? It's TV, half-hour TV length. Yeah, it's a TV church. Mm, mm. Oh, so well, you can go longer at our one church. Of those but some, when you some of our pastors have <laughs> broken that by more than double. We have one preacher come, and he's one of the finest preachers in the world too. Wow. He preached for the best part of three hours, mate. I'm, I'm going to name him. No, no, don't. 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 We'll be in trouble. <laughs> that will be strike five, strike five and, and you'll be banned <laughs> for four weeks from radio. <laughs> um, um, Adventist theology, preaching. Yes. What do we? What are we Protestant or how would you define us? Definitely Bible-based believing Protestants. That's it. Yeah, I, like that surprise. That'll surprise a lot of our listeners out there, won't it? Because yeah. because there are some some very strange ideas about what. Even I I sit back sometimes when I hear people talk about what Seventh Day Adventism go. What? Yes. 
I mean, I'm fourth generation, man. My, I've got two generations of pastors in front of me. And you, you, you hear what some Aussies will say about Adventism. Yeah, what? Yeah. So you're saying Bible-based Protestant preaching. Yes, it. Yep. It might be on an iPad okay. or on a screen, but it'll be the Bible for sure. Do you use an iPad when you preach? I can't. No, me either. I, my, I, I don't have fat fingers, but my fingers just, they don't work when I'm in a preaching mode. Oh, technical things just go glitch on me yeah. when I try to use them. Oh, oh, I use PowerPoint a fair bit for illustrations. Um, Does that bring interest text. to what you're doing? Yeah, look, I, I, I like, I like uh, my personal preference is more teaching style. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I like to sit and I'll, I'll spend if I if I've got an hour, I'll spend an hour unpacking a, a couple of words and what's the actual meaning behind the text. And I, I, it's called exegesis, the technical word, right? It's like drawing out the original meaning from a passage. I love doing that. Um, I think people like listening to that sort of preaching too. Well, this is the thing. You Especially if you can draw stuff out that's not patently obvious, obvious to start off with. You it's know. quantity versus quality. Yeah, that's right. I, I prefer just to spend on a, f- a little bit, get really good quality message out of something instead of let's read 300 texts and you're left and you're like, what was the point? Mm. How long has the Adventist church been around? Can you tell me that? Oh, I can give you the answer to that. I'm just wondering if you know. I actually know the year we started. Where? Which country? United States of America, Which, 1863. Okay, that's the date I was going to give you. So 1863 is the year of incorporation. We were around before that. Yeah. So you can trace the Advent message and the roots back through to 1840s. What, what, can, what, what, what movements directly influenced yep. Adventism? What religious movements? Some of them still around today. Absolutely. In fact, look, nothing in Christianity has come out of a vacuum. Yeah. Everything that we are today, we stand on the back of giants that have gone before us. So what, what, what are the churches? So, uh, so in the Seventh Day Adventist Church came out of um, a, a interdenominational group of Christians. There was yep. there was Methodists, there was Baptists, there was Episcopalians, there were um, Congregationalists, Congregationalists. Uh, in fact, Seventh Day Baptists. The Adventists. If you have a look at the way we do things today, uh, will I be right in saying it's very Methodist still? Yeah, I'd say so. With the Sunday school followed yes. by the... By the actual, like, the divine hour, as it gets called, the sermon preaching Preaching. Time. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's a very... I don't know whether Methodists even, are even still... Even the luncheons. Yeah, you know. I don't know whether Methodists are still like that, but I think early on there would have been a lot of Methodists, Baptists, yeah. Presbyterians yep. that made up the original founders of who Adventism was. And they drew from that to create some of the governance of the way that the church operates and like just from administrative point of views, um, how we commission pastors, where we send out missionaries. Like A lot of influence came from these other Christian denominations. And what like what Seventh-day Adventists appealed to me, right? I didn't grow up in the church yeah, the way yeah, you have. Yeah. But what appealed to me was is that you can trace the roots right back to the Protestant Reformation yeah. with guys like... Zing, Zwingli, um, Luther, uh, Calvin, all these like great names and men of faith, yeah, right? Yeah. You can trace the development of Adventist doctrine from back then yeah. because it's really a return back to Scripture. Yeah. And so after the uh, 1260 years of papal supremacy and the Dark Ages and, yeah. and just the suppression of Scripture, yeah. there was a vacuum of, of theological knowledge. Yeah. And so people were... were Groping at what what's truth, and one by one, starting with Luther and these guys, they started to rediscover scripture that had already been there. That Jesus was teaching, the disciples were teaching. But as the language became accessible, the Bible became accessible. 
one by one these pillars got rediscovered. I do that in inverted commas, right? I like, I like there. what you say. So Adventism is a part of that journey. Yeah, it's a progression of that journey. Absolutely. In, in some ways, uh, are what we got baptism by immersion from the Baptist. From the Baptist. We got the Ten Commandments from, and, and the fact that they're still binding from the Methodists. Yeah. Um, and Seventh day Baptists themselves. Yeah, the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, we got the, like, grace and salvation from Luther himself, from straight from revolu- revolutionized Rome, you know. So it's, it's, it's a progression, and that's what really appealed to me as, yeah. a, as a seeker. Seventh-day Adventism is this, is this journey of truth. In fact, you know, in the early days, they never called it a church. They were reluctant to call this an organization or a church, and that's why it took to 8063 to in form In some it. ways, I'm a bit sorry that we me ever too. got to... I, I still uh, love to call it what the original guys called yeah. it. They called it the Advent Movement. I like that too. It's you know what I like about that? It allows for truth to continue to progress. Yes. Sometimes churches, and I think this is why the Protestant Reformation has continued from denomination to denomination because God's been continually calling Protestantism out of, you know, Rome and back into the truth of Scripture. And, and sometimes we go, in, in other words, Luther. We don't go any further than Luther. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, there's like an arrested development. Yeah, we don't go any further than Wesley, and God wants us to go further. That's what I like about the idea of a movement. Yes, and I think that's still in Adventism today, isn't it? That we we would still consider ourselves more a movement than a than a religion or a denomination. Do you think that'd be fair oh, to say? For sure. I mean, look, as a church, we're we're expecting things to happen that a lot of churches are like, what? Like, for example, um, Joel two. It talks about. The role of last day prophets. Yeah. Prophets will be in the last days before great and terrible day of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Other, uh, there are Christian denominations that are like, nah, it all ended with John. Done. Dusted. End of story. But like, and, what and are we yet, missing and, out on? And yet Joel 2 says very clearly, clearly that in the end of time, before the great be and terrible prophecy, day of the Lord. Yeah. And we've seen it in our church. Yeah. I'm, I'm and I think we're still going to see. I was going to say that because it's, it's very clear done, yeah. that in the last days, your old men will have what is it? Your dream young dreams, men will, will have, have visions. visions. Your yeah. old men will dream dreams. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, very much so. so um, we could talk a lot about prophets, couldn't we? <laughs> it's, it's actually a good subject, absolutely. Because we shouldn't write someone off just because they claim to be a prophet. We should actually test them biblically. Mm. I was going to get back to our roots, though. I think when I've studied the roots of Adventism, to me, it goes straight back. It, it, there's Luther is in it very strongly, mm. more so than Calvin or Knox. We're not really into uh, predestination. What, no, we're not. We, no. We, no, we're more the Luther. Uh, um, understanding of scripture, but really Anabaptist. Yes. That's where we really come from. Anabaptist. And the funny thing is, Luther and Anabaptist had disagreements. They did. And we seem to take the best from both <laughs> without being, you know, ego or anything like that. We can do that. So, so look, uh, concluding this thing about what you'd expect when you go into an Adventist church, you're saying you'll find a Bible study, mm. um, music, prayer. Absolutely. And preaching. Preaching. People friendly? Do we like to? Do we as Adventists like people who walk off the street? Yes. Now, <laughs> let me qualify that. I um, I'm a human being, and I belong to the human race, and I have seen that human beings aren't always the same to every other human being. <laughs> and look, I don't. I, when I first went to a Seventh Day Adventist church, I wasn't going there to meet my next best friend. I was going there to experience truth according to what they were teaching, and I found that. Yeah. Um, I also have found that there some of my, I mean, my my best friends in the world now are a part of this church. Yeah. But I also met people that weren't the friendliest people when I first met them. Yeah. But that's not going to turn me off because I'm on a pursuit for truth. I'm not on a pursuit for 
the perfect friendly people. I mean, there's so look, don't get discouraged if you, someone doesn't greet you the way you expect it to be. Look beyond it. If you live in Northwest Sydney, come to New Hope, and everyone will be friendly. Right? Guarantee you. <laughs> It's a guarantee, Hunter, you'll find friendly people. We will definitely be very happy to see you. We feed you too. This is, yep. what, you, this is what you should do. If, we'll you go you to, if you go to Seventh Adventist Church and they're not friendly, contact us. That's it. And I'll personally we, we, find you. <laughs> we would have something to say, and that's a fact, I isn't would, it? I would. I, look, I would hope that you will find the friendliest people on earth in a yeah. Seventh Adventist Church. I've met people on Faith FM who have listened to a show, they've Googled the church, they've gone to the church, they've told me these are the friendliest people I've ever met. So I, I know that they... That's the experience, yeah. but look, I'm I'm not going to say we are the perfect perfect people in the perfect church on the perfect planet because that hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't come. We don't even claim to be perfect theologically, right? It's still it's still a progression. We as as where we are in our journey of of knowledge of truth, we believe it's sound. I'm a I'm a first put my hand up to be a subscriber to it because I'm on a progression of truth too. And yeah. as long as the church holds to that like mandate that they're moving towards and constantly opening up scripture and willing to have things tested and tried, let's go for it. And, and the thing I like, and we'll, we'll have a song on a second, Hunty, if you're ready, mate. I'm ready. The thing I like is nervous. that in Adventism, <laughs> we test things by the Bible yes, and the Bible, Bible alone. alone. Yeah. If it's in the Bible, we'll believe it, we'll preach it, we'll teach it, and we'll practice it. Absolutely. If it's not, well... That's open for discussion. Yeah. Hey. And there's freedom for that in the church too. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And we, in fact, we love having discussions. Yeah. Um, good discussion. I enjoyed that. Hunty. And if you would like to go to church this Saturday. Well, here we go. Hunt. Let me tell don't, you. Don't, Hunty never misses. If you are in the northwest area of Sydney, even further away, we would love to have you at our church. We're at Quakers Hill. We're behind the alley on 4 Samuel Place. And we meet in the Anglican Church at 10 o'clock every Saturday morning. And we have lunch. Yeah, and we put on a great lunch, and if you come, you'll have a great day, and you will be blessed. Now, to keep you guys balanced, if you live anywhere outside of that location, I was about to get to the go. Now, look, the easiest way, if you want to find a, a local Seventh Adventist church, go to Google and type in whatever your suburb is, Near Seventh me. Adventist church, yep. and it will show up. Yep. Um, if that all fails, go to adventist.org.au and you'll find every church in Australia. Listed. And if that fails and you still can't find a church, Hunty, what's our phone number? Yes, text, text, text us. Text us. Text us. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Because I can guarantee you wherever you are, we'll hook we'll you up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely hook Absolutely. you up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Hey, this song that we're about to hear, Hunty. It's a good one. Is a bunch of Adventist men yep. from Africa. Yep. They sing a cappella. You oh, like acapella? absolutely. Uh, this is actually... A, oh, sometimes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but absolutely. Oh, this, this is good, mate. Okay. This is, a, this is a bunch of Adventist young men from Africa. They're actually quite famous. Okay. And this is a beautiful song. Thanks, Hunty. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bent my heart in
have doubts and fears My eyes be filled with tears But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night I go to Him in prayer He knows my every care And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right Because I chose the song. Got rhythm. (laughs) But we didn't write down on our piece of paper who they are. (laughs) I'm blaming you, Andrew Rubs. Oh, nuts. Strike 25. (laughs) Game over at 30. Hey, Hunty. Yes. I don't know whether you've been listening to this guy, Robbie, but he's mentioned this gospel to the whole world or the story of Jesus two or three times today. Have you noticed that? I have. It's found in Matthew 24. Yep. It's in a, where Jesus is giving a discourse, he's talking about what it'll be like just before he comes. And he gives a whole lot of signs, and then he says this, and I wonder if you could read it for us, Hunty, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to ask you, Robbie, to comment on it, because you've mentioned it two or three times. Mm. And this is the first real program that's gone to Western Sydney. And so I want them to hear what you mean when you say this gospel to the whole world. What does that actually mean? So let's read it first. This is the words of Jesus mm-hmm. to his disciples describing what it will be like at the end of time. And this is the quintessential number one sign mm-hmm. that we all know Jesus is about to come. Thanks, Hunty. Verse 14, right? Yep. Yes. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. No other sign does Jesus say that. No. In fact, some of them he says, you're going to see this, it's still not the end. Yes. But in this one he says, this gospel, the story of me, Jesus is saying, the story of Jesus will go to the whole world, then the end will come. What, now, now you are in, your whole life's dedicated to perhaps that one verse. Yes. What does it mean to you? So, first thing, this is Matthew 24. There are only 28 chapters in the whole book. So this is right at the end. This expression of the gospel of the kingdom first appears in chapter 4 of Matthew. But I'm going to quote it from Mark, which is another gospel account, right? It's another story. So, first thing, defined terms. Gospel means good news. And so, what Jesus is saying is that the good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, then the end will come. The first time Jesus used that expression is in Mark chapter 1. And in verse 14, it says this, Jesus came out of Galilee, this is after he's baptized, 
and he starts preaching the gospel, that's the good news, of the kingdom of God. So the good news is not the good news. The good news is about something, and it's about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says this in verse 15, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this good news. So he says that that's the very first thing he begins preaching within his ministry. It's almost his theme right through his ministry. It is the only theme. Yeah. And that's a pretty bold statement, but I've been yeah. studying this for years. This is yeah, his yeah. only theme. And right at the end, this is this is the week before he dies on the cross in Matthew 24. Mm. The disciples are going, hey, you're saying the temple's going to be destroyed. Well, what's the sign of the end of the world? And it's interesting because you hit on it. They ask for a singular sign. They don't ask for plural mm, signs. Mm, mm. Jesus lists what we term as signs incorrectly, as war and earthquake and flood and famine. So what you're saying, we're incorrect. It's, it's that, that's yeah. not really what he, he's, he he's not listing those as signs. Yeah. He's listing these as these things will happen. And as you rightly said, yeah. three times in that passage, he says, but the end will not, the end is yeah. not yet. Yeah. This yeah. is the beginning. Yeah. He who endures the end shall be saved. And then he says, and here's the sign. The good news of the kingdom of God will go to all the world as a witness, then the end will come. So the question is this, what did a 27 AD rabbi mean when he used this expression, the good news about the kingdom? Key. That is the key question here, and you've got one minute. Okay, here it is. In 27 AD, as we talk about COVID every time we meet each other, in 27 AD, everybody talked about the kingdom. And in that context, there were five things that came to mind. Yep. Number one, the kingdom meant a promised king was coming, the son of David. Love that. The Messiah. Yep. Number two, the reason he's coming is to rescue and redeem us from our oppressors, yep. the Romans. Yep. Number three, he will come and teach us the rule of law. That's the lift the constitution of the kingdom, the Ten yep. Commandments, the law of Moses. Yep. Number four, number four, he will clearly identify that we are his citizens and subjects. Hmm. And number five, he has a place prepared for us, the territory of Israel. The problem was in 27 AD, the people thought, that all those things were dealing with the Romans and the Jews. Some Christians still think that. They still think that. But it's not. What Jesus is saying is, I am the promised king. I am the one that can rescue and redeem you. I'm the one that's come to teach you how to be a citizen of heaven. I'm the one that's calling you to be a subject, and I've prepared a place for you. And when that message goes to all the world, then the end will come. And that's what Faith FM is about. That's what we're about. In fact, Faith FM is about taking that one message to Australia. To Australia. Actually, and beyond if we can. Priorities Australia, but if it goes beyond, great. Thank you for coming today, Robbie. Thank you. Uh, we we got to have him. Uh, next time you're in Sydney, you need to come in. It's better life. Oh, absolutely. You need to come in, yeah. and we'll do this again. Absolutely. I'll, did did you did you agree to that, uh, Robbie? To what? To coming in next time? <laughs> <laughs> Recorders rolling as well. I, I, I agree to it. I'm going to play that song again, Hunty. That I know. We, we opened up with Tell the, the reason. I want, the reason I want to play it is because before Jesus comes, it'll seem like there are great mountains before us. We can never cross them. The point is, and part of the good news is, with Jesus, there ain't no mountain too high that you can't get across. Thanks, Hunty. <laughs> Looking up from the valley of fear You can see doubt off in the distance And you're about to lose heart right here But don't ever give in, don't ever give up God is with you and you'll overcome No mountain will tell you That you can't make it all 
Can you see why I like that song, Hunty? That yeah, was strike, thir- strike thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> you know why we're we're a bit late today on some of these crossovers? We're getting it's because excited. we're talking to know, each right. other here in the studio. I've actually not seen Hunty or myself so distracted. We're really enjoying like having it, you it's here because I'm here. Yeah, I'm it, sorry, it is. Guys. We've enjoyed it, haven't we, Hunty? That's it. We've enjoyed it. We are. Um, so glad you joined us today. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, yeah, um, we're going to close with a prayer, and then um, again, Robbie. I, I think I might ask you to close if you don't mind. Yeah, mate. absolutely. Yeah, let's let's have prayer father in heaven we thank you for the time we've had here this afternoon it's been it's been a thrill to sit down and have a chat with these guys and to talk about listener questions and to explore a bit of scripture and at the end of the day this is all about lifting up jesus as the promised one who's come to rescue and redeem us to teach us the the way to live in the citizenship of heaven and we're so grateful he's called us into that kingdom and he's providing a place for us bless each and every one of our listeners and may they have a wonderful evening in jesus name Amen. Hey, Robbie, is this the end of Faith FM? What's coming? Hey, in just a few minutes, Drive Time, our Drive Time show coming out of South Australia, out of Adelaide, actually, is about to come on air with, um, I think it's Gary and Nick and Fabiano. They've got Drive Time. A few mates and ours, actually. And yeah. it'll be worth listening to. So, thanks for joining us. Yes. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. And, and thank you to our listeners. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. Yeah, my name's Hunty. And we love you. Well, and this, well, we've, 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 oh, we've got another, an extra one. And this is Robbie. Yeah. And you know what? We all, we all love, love you. Yeah. You. yeah. God bless you. See you next Jesus time. loves you more. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 